Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today, we're starting a new series that I've simply entitled Made of Honour. Maid of Honour. Now, I don't want the men to turn off right now because maid is not spelled M-A-I-D. It's not made, it's M-A-D-E. Made as in built, as in put together for a purpose. And one of those reasons we've been put together on purpose is to bring honour. Everyone shout out at me the word honour. Fantastic. We're going to be in for a great morning and a great series today because this is a a series that looks at the principle of honour and honouring. We want to look at what it is. We want to look at how it works. We want to look at who we honour. We want to look at some of the enemies toward honour and honouring. And by way of introduction, I want to share something that happened to me recently. Who would like to know what happened to me recently? Well, recently I received a letter in the mail, which is something that doesn't happen too often. Who remembers snail mail? Well, I received something in the mail. And to be honest, what I received didn't actually make me too happy. I didn't feel too good about what I received in the mail because, uh, let's be honest, mostly you receive bills. This wasn't a bill. This was more a fine. And uh, I opened it, and, and, and you know when you see a, a little, you see a little emblem in the corner that's got the police kind of, and so I'm kind of opening it and just kind of peering in, kind of having a sneaky suspicion. I, I, I think I, I might know what this is about. And uh, I opened it up, and when I, I looked at it, um, it was a fine because apparently... According to certain technology, I had been travelling a little bit too fast. Uh, This is my confessing to you this morning. I did think about having a couch up here and just purging myself clean this morning. Um, But I I, I received this fine when all the roadworks was taking place up at Maxwell Road here. Who remembers when all the roadworks was taking place and we had to take alternative, uh, ulterior routes because it was getting too busy. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to avoid uh, Maxwell Road altogether. And uh, from where I come from, it's just easy to go down Kester's Road. So I went down Kester's Road, turned left on a main north road, left onto Maxwell, miss all the roadworks. I thought, what a brilliant idea. But what I didn't know is how slow the speed limit was down Kester's Road. And so when I looked at it, I saw that I'd been clocked doing 59 kilometres. 59 kilometres. I mean, is that even, does that even classify as speeding? But anyway, <laughs> I thought, man, just send me a letter saying thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but apparently the speed limit on Kester's Road was 50 and still is apparently 50. And and so I had a few options as to what to do with this fine. And I'm going to run you through a few of the options that I had. The first option, and this is going to help some of you, write this down. My first option was A, do I plead my case? I mean, you know, I got a fairly new car and to try and do, you know, under 60 is pretty hard. 
And, and it's a fairly main road and really, should it really be 50, couldn't it at least be 60 kilometres, of which then I would have been right in the right zone of how much I was doing. And I actually thought, do I plead my case? Because it just seems ridiculous for me to get a fine when I'm only doing 59. Why is the speed limit? I actually thought, do I plead my case? Uh, is anyone else out there feeling a little bit normal right now? Look at you like, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying. <laughs> So that was my first option. A, plead my case. B, ignore it and hope it goes away. <laughs> Who's ever thought of that one? I actually thought about that. Maybe just get lost and, you know, maybe if I don't, you know, they're busy people. Lots of fines out there. Lots of people doing wrong things. You know, maybe they just waver it because after all, it's not really that fast. And so maybe they just, it'll just go away. I considered it. Yes, this is your pastor speaking. So A was to plead my case, B was ignore it and hope it goes away, C was to pay the fine begrudgingly. <laughs> Moggy's like, yes. And then there was a fourth option, D, to own it and learn a lesson. Let me just recap. A, plead my case. B, ignore it and hope it goes away. C, pay the fine begrudgingly. Or D, own it and learn a lesson. And while I considered all of the options, I settled on D, to own it and learn my lesson. The question then needs to be asked, what is the lesson? Some of you well-intentioned people might just say um, and conclude, don't speed, Tony. And that is certainly a lesson I'm learning. <laughs> Present tense. I came up with another conclusion, don't ever go down Kester's Road again. <laughs> And I haven't, and I won't. That's like the highway to hell right down there. That's just, stay away from that road. But the truth is, as I was reflecting on this, the truth is it's not about keeping the law. The lesson for me is not about keeping the law. The real lesson is about honour and honouring. And I wonder if you would just turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, and I want to explain this in a little bit more detail. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. And we're going to understand that the Bible is not an antiquated book. It's actually very relevant and it's going to help us in 2019, although it was written some 2,000 years ago. But Romans is a letter written by Paul to the church to help the church at that time and it's helping the church in today. And in Romans chapter 13 verse 1 it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but only for those who do 
wrong. Have you noticed that when you're driving and you see a policeman, you don't panic unless you're speeding. You don't panic unless you're on the phone. You don't panic unless you don't have your seatbelt on. That, that's what Paul's addressing here in the text. Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, be very afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an angel of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of consequence, their conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. See, there's a lot of talk about submitting to authority, as Paul writes, but the context here is actually honouring God and honouring what God has put in place and honouring who God has put in place. And if we understand the honour principle, it's going to help us in life handle circumstances and situations a lot better than we do, particularly when it comes to tax time and all those other times that we don't necessarily enjoy in the natural. So I'm really trusting and praying that we can get a new mindset on the principle of honouring, because if we get a new mindset on the principle of honouring, we won't complain about some of the things we do and we'll actually start to have a greater joy in what we do when it comes to these other things. Paul goes on to say that there is a benefit and there is a reward when you submit to authority. He says that you can live peaceful, guilt-free, clear conscience, lives and you will avoid punishment when you do the right thing. So the fine that I ended up paying, I would not have had to pay had I been doing the right thing. In other words, there are blessings and there is a clarity of mind and a peaceful heart when we abide by the laws that are put in place. And while all these things are important, I want to say this, that none of these things alone should be the motivation behind our obedience. In other words, if we just obey so as to not get caught, while there's some benefit to that, it's not deep enough. It's not the best motive. The list of benefits is not the reason for our obedience, but it should be the result of our obedience. In other words, it's not a matter of personal benefit, it's a matter of honouring those in authority. Yes, there's some benefits when we do the right thing. But that should never be our motive, that we do the right things just so that we live blessed. Actually, there's a bigger principle that Paul is trying to get our attention on. And there was a bigger principle when it came to me paying that fine. I thought, what's the real lesson here? Yes, don't speed. Yes, avoid Kester's Road. Yes, that all helps. But what was God trying to say to me? And remember when we just did the series on Jonah, that Jonah was aware that he was angry, but he wasn't aware of some of the other things that were going on in his life. And I, and I felt God was trying to say, there's something deeper, there's something bigger, there's something better for you to learn in this moment, Tony. So don't waste 
this moment. And, and I realise the taxes that we pay and, and, and the, the speeding fines that come and, and the, the speeding fines that we pay or whatever it is that we do actually ultimately is about honour and honouring. John Bevere says this, No Christian wants to place limitations on God, but many of us unwillingly restrict His activity in our lives because we ignore the crucial spiritual principle of honour. He goes on to say that honour is an essential ingredient to enhancing every area of our lives. And one of the core values at Victory Church is this, that of honour. And we've worked hard at developing a culture of honour. Just this week, we had our all-in time. And part of our all-in meetings is where all of our volunteers get together and we put on a special meal so that we can celebrate all the incredible volunteering that takes place. And we take a moment in our meeting just to honour certain individuals for what it is that they've been doing in a particular field or a particular area of ministry. Honour is a big, important crucial part of who we are here at Victory Church. And I think it's worth speaking on. And I think it's worth us either being made aware of or at least reminding us of the incredible power that honour and honouring holds. And so in order to do that in week one, we just want to look at some of the things that honour is and what honour looks like. I've got five things. We're going to go through them very quickly and hopefully it'll bless you. Hopefully it'll help you and hopefully it'll be incredible benefit to you, not only in the areas that we serve in church life, but also in your family, also in your workplace, wherever it is that you may be. Because I know this to be true. Where there is true honour taking place, there is a joy and a peace that follows. And so the first thing about honour is this, that honour always recognises value. Everyone say value. Honour is to fix a value upon. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. Question is, what is valuable to you? Because what is valuable to you is what you'll ultimately honour. If you value your car that you drive, for example, uh, you would probably end up washing it. You might even vacuum it. If you don't value your car, you won't wash it. You won't vacuum it. If you really value your car, you might even uh, be very careful where you park the car. You may not park next to an old beat up bomb of a car. You may find yourself driving a little further and walking a little longer in order to make sure that the car that you value is respected, looked after and not dinged by either a shopping trolley or someone opening their door on the car. Why do some people do that? Because they value it. Other people don't care. Why? Because there's no value. And if there's no value, we end up discarding it. See, what you disregard, you dishonour. In Matthew 13, again, Jesus was unable to do some miracles in his hometown. It's amazing. Jesus went around the countryside doing incredible miracles. But when he came back to his hometown, he couldn't do those miracles. You know why? They said, we know who you are. You're, we know your mom. We know your dad. We know where you work. We know your brothers. We know your sisters. And they took offence at Jesus. And Jesus said these words. He said, a prophet in his hometown receives no honour. And what we disrespect, we disregard. And what we disregard, we, we dishonour. And the interesting thing is, 
when you dishonour something, you're the loser. Whenever we dishonour, we become the loser. Jesus lost nothing that day. But the hometown of Nazareth lost everything because Jesus never went back there and He could do no great miracles among them. Wherever we dishonour people, wherever we dishonour God, the loser ultimately is us. If you choose not to honour your mother, if you choose not to honour your father, you are the lesser person. You are the loser in the relationship. If you choose not to honour your brother or your sister, then you become the loser. And so this is an important subject, this one of honour. What are some of the examples in church life? I believe we dishonour worship when we, come up, uh, when we rock up late. Now again, you're welcome and you're welcome to come anytime. But if we take this principle to another level and we rock up when we want to. Now I realise sometimes certain things happen. And particularly when you've got young kids and then babies are sick. and I realise all that. But if we make it our daily habit or our weekly habit just to rock up when we want, whether it's to church in the worship time or whether it's to work or whether it's to people's homes. Yeah. And we have this saying, uh, fashionably late. To be fashionably late is to be rude. I'll just be honest. Because you're dishonouring other people when they got there. You know, we've been blessed by some incredible music this morning and incredible vocals this morning. And, and they didn't get here at 10 o'clock. They got here at 7.30 in order to be ready. And I think it's dishonouring when we just rock up whenever we can. So come on, church, let's work in this area and actually realise actually church starts at a certain time. And in order to be on time, be early. Why? Because we want to honour the preparation of others. I believe we dishonour the lost when we leave the auditorium when the salvation call is being made. When we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I don't need to hear this, and we get up and walk out, we dishonour that moment. We dishonour that moment. Can, can you see, the, can you see the, um, the, the commonality? The common denominator is when we make it all about us. We dishonour people when we make it all about us. Which brings me to my second point, and that is honour always involves humility. Proverbs 15 verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honour. There's many things about the Australian culture that I absolutely love. And I've got to travel around the world and uh, those traits are, are known around the world and, and uh, people enjoy having Kath and I come and share in their churches because there's much about Aussie culture that they just love. But there are some things about Aussie culture I just don't like. And one of the things I really dislike about Aussie culture is the tall poppy syndrome. The moment you start sticking your head up, the moment you start succeeding in life, be it sport or business or academics or whatever it is, people want to pull you down. And I just think it's something in our culture that needs to be broken and it's going to take the church on fire to be able to break this culture. And I believe we're going to break it when we understand the principle of honour and honouring. I never forget when Adam Gilchrist, who used to be in the Australian cricket team and he was an amazing cricket, uh, cricketer, a wicketkeeper batsman and, he, and uh, he wrote a book and he had his book launch and I'll never forget how much he honoured his captain, Steve Waugh, at his own book launch. It was his book, it was his book launch and there he was talking about the captain, Steve Waugh and giving him honour because without Steve Waugh's leadership and without his captaincy, he was saying, I don't know if I would be able to do all that I was able to do. And I thought, wow, that's what we want to see more of. See, honour steps back, not brings down. 
C.S. Lewis says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. See, false humility is when we say, oh, I'm not very good. No, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And so when we don't make ourselves the centre of every issue, that's when we begin to honour. I remember, and I think I've shared this story once or twice before, but when I was much younger and it was the lead up to Mother's Day, me and my two brothers got together and thought, what could we buy our mum for Mother's Day? And we came up with what we thought was an incredibly brilliant gift. And we were so excited about this gift. We couldn't wait. We were more excited about Mother's Day than our mother which may give you an insight as to the gift we'd bought her. And so we wrapped this gift and we couldn't wait for Mother's Day to come. And on Mother's Day morning, we quickly woke her up and we gave her this gift and we got her to rip it open. And, and, and when she opened it, you know, I was excited. I was happy. And, and my two brothers, they were excited and they were happy. The only person who wasn't as excited or as happy as us was our mum. And I was shocked. I was thought. I was confused. I felt unappreciated. Because apparently she didn't appreciate a popcorn making machine for Mother's Day. What mother would not want a popcorn making machine? I mean, really? Talk about lack of gratitude. It cost us a lot of money, did that pop cake, popcorn making machine. But I, I think it highlights the point that that gift was not about our mum at all. It was actually about us. We weren't thinking of mum. Who were we thinking about? We were thinking about us. And when we're thinking about us all the time, we will never truly honour people. True humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking about ourselves less. So don't ever put yourself down and call that humility. I'm useless. I'm no one. I'm not like you. I don't have any talents. That's not humility. That's not humility. That's deception. That is not true. The Bible says that you've created in the image of God. You're the apple of His eye. Every one of you has been gifted with gifts and talents. We've just got to find out what they are. It might not be like someone else. You might want to sing. It may not be singing, but there will be another gift. There will be something that God has given you in order to bring colour to this world. Never put yourself down. Never think of yourself less. That is not humility. That's deception. But the Bible does talk about us thinking about ourselves less. And putting others before ourselves. Are you with me this morning? And on the subject of humility, uh, honour is given, not taken. And so honour is not something we should sit back waiting for people to give us. It's actually something that we should give to others. It's not something we should be sitting back waiting to receive. It's something that we should be looking at to give to someone. So please, with this series, let's not uh, take this series and think, okay, I'm going to sit back this week and wait for people to honour me. That's not the point of this series. In actual fact, we're just failing point number two here. It's not about us. The purpose of this series is about who can I honour this week? Who's in my world that I can honour this week? Are you with me? Proverbs 25 verse 27 says, It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honourable to seek one's own honour. If uh, you eat too much honey, what happens? You get sick. If you're always seeking your own honour, guess what happens? People get sick of you. Just saying. Number three, honour is always active. 
In other words, you can't respect someone, so you can respect someone, but not honour them. You can respect them quietly. You can respect them from a distance and never, ever, ever let them know the respect you have for them. We're not talking about respect here. We're talking about honour. And honour is always active. Respect can be passive, but honour always involves action. And uh, we need to be involved in getting involved in people's lives. It's not enough just to say something. I believe it should be accompanied by our actions. Honour says, I love you. But honour follows it up by buying flowers. Honour um, takes people out for dinner. I mentioned before at our all-in service, it's about us actively involved in people's lives and actively involved in honouring and actually giving them something. There's an action to it. Let's not be passive with our honour moments. Let's not be passive. Husbands, you may have said, I told, my, I told my wife I love her on the day I got married and I said I'd let her know if anything changes. That's not going to cut it. <laughs> honestly, this doesn't make me a, a, a great husband, but honestly, every day I let my wife know in no uncertain terms, I love her. I tell her every day I love her. Why? Because I love her, but more importantly, I want her to know that. I want her to know that I love her. And I tell her every day that I, I love her. And obviously all of us have different love languages. And I would say to you to find out your partner's love language and do their love language, not yours. I think a lot of problems happen in marriage when we do a lot for our partners. But really what we're doing is a lot of what we like. But it's to find out what they like and do what they like. It's to find out what they want and do what they want. That's what I believe the Bible is talking about when it comes to honour. Number four, not only should it be active, but honour always involves generosity. In other words, don't just give, but be generous in your giving. We're talking about giving meals and words and, and, and gifts. But you can take someone out for dinner. But if you take your wife out to McDonald's, like, yeah, kind of there, but kind of not. Kind of there, but... Oh, so kind of not. Now, your, your six-year-old may love that and think the world of you because you take them to McDonald's. That's great. But I promise you, a wife on an anniversary is probably not going to think so highly of McDonald's. So let's be generous when it comes to honouring. And can I say this? Be forensic when it comes to honouring. I say this all the time. Everywhere I get to preach, I want to let people know that we should be forensic. We should be detailed. We should be specific when it comes to honouring people. I've had the privilege to be able to travel to different parts of the world and Australia more recently. And when I was in South Africa, good friends of ours, Craig and Andy Clark, celebrated the 25th anniversary of their church and I got to preach in their church on the 25th anniversary and I got the whole church just to stand up and I said church I want you to give honour where honour is due and I want everyone in this room to stand up except Craig and Andy and I said I, I want you to know when we, when we honour them I'm going to ask you to put your hands together and count you down to three and we're going to put your hands together but, but when we clap it's not a golf clap it's not a, okay it, 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 it's a crazy undignified honouring clap that is worthy of the 25 years that they've served. 
And I got to do that recently in Sydney, just last week, because I was there on the 29th birthday of that church. Leo and Christine have been leading that church for 29 years. I didn't even know that. It just happened to be on the day that I was there. It was 29 uh, the 29th anniversary. And I said to the church, do you even know that? They didn't even know. And so I said, you've got to do something here. And I told the church, the same that I told the church in South Africa, I said, you've got to stand up and we're going to go crazy. Well, they went over the top. They actually grabbed their pastors and put them in the air and just ran them around. It was amazing. It was like over the top. It was not what I was expecting. They took it to a whole nother level. And I thought, man, that is fitting. 29 years for the same couple to lead the same church. That doesn't happen every day. So let's be generous with our words. Let's be generous with our gifts. Have you ever wondered why we remember the one bad thing and we don't remember the 10 good things that are often said about us? And I'm convinced there's many reasons for that. But I believe the number one reason is because the one bad thing is usually very specific and very forensic. It's very detailed and it's very long. Have you noticed that? When, when you mess up and someone lets you know that you messed up, they let you know in no uncertain terms. They will tell you where you messed up, how you messed up, how it made them feel, how it made their family feel, how it made their dog feel. Uh, they, they'll just tell you everything about how you made them feel when you did the wrong thing. And they'll just go on and on and on about it. But every other day, it's like, good job, mate. Yeah, good job. Good job, mate, doesn't cut it when you get so specifically and forensically abused when it comes to the negative things. And we have an opportunity to turn that around. And even today, by way of homework, I would say when it comes to honouring your family, why not, why not take someone out in your family this week and just sit them down and just speak words over them, words of appreciation, words of honour, whether you write them down, whatever the case may be, but be detailed, be forensic. And again, when I was uh, in my recent travels, I was able to speak over some of the pastors' lives and just give a discourse of what their relationship means to Kath and I and where I value their friendship and where I value their leadership and, 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 and some of the great things that they've done. And yeah, they got embarrassed. That's what good friends do. We embarrass one another with high praise, with generous praise. So come on, church, let's not be stingy when it comes to honouring. Is this helpful this morning? Who thinks we can have healthier homes if we implement this truth? Who thinks we can have a healthier church if we implement this truth? And the last one as a band come up is simply honour is always heartfelt. So you can do everything I'm talking about today, but still not do it with the right motive and the right heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 15 verse 8. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain their teachings are but rules taught by men. Where does honour start? Honour always starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. This is not just an action thing. This, this starts in the heart. It's an inside-out work. Honour is an inside-out work. It's possible to do something nice but not mean it. How do I know that? I've been to Christmas parties and dinner parties. I, I love the Christmas season, I really do. But I know for many people, the Christmas season creates a lot of pain because you're going to have to navigate the family dinner. And you have to try and remember, what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? And, and we, we play happy families, but in our heart of hearts, it's far from that reality. 
We can be in church and we can lift up hands and we can sing these songs and still not touch us. Still not be from the heart. We can sing about a God that is working even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. But in our heart, it's like, God, why haven't you healed me? God, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? But we, on the outside, we look like we're worshipping, but our hearts are far from Him. Christianity is an inside-out work. It's God getting a hold of our hearts. For us to truly step into a new phase, a new level of honour, we've got to let God touch our heart. We've got to let God soften our heart. Because let's be honest, in this life, things happen. And things that happen to us aren't always pleasant. They're not always nice. And they're not always what we desire. And over time, if we don't deal with those disappointments, our heart gets hard. And when you have a hard heart, you get cynical. And no one ever sets out to be cynical. No one as a teenager, no one as a young kid growing up says, oh, Dad, I can't wait to grow up and become cynical. Oh, it's going to be awesome to be cynical. Just can't wait. No one sets out to be cynical. And yet, sadly, so many land there. Why? Because their heart gets hard. And why I love coming to church and why I love having a daily relationship with Jesus is that I have an opportunity for Him to massage my heart, for Him to work on my heart, to keep it soft and pliable. Because as good as all these truths are, we'll only ever put them into practice if our hearts are soft and supple. Otherwise, we're going to hear truth. And the truth that we hear is just going to create more hardness of heart because we're going to settle that it's true, but I'm not going to do it. And we have an opportunity through this honor series in the lead up to Christmas to let God do business with our hearts. I've got to be honest with you. When that fine came, and I thought, oh, I better pay it. And my attitude was bad. My attitude was wrong. And through just grabbing those thoughts, as I'm asking you to do right now, and turning it into a positive, this whole series has been birthed out of that moment. And as it's helped me, I'm trusting it's going to help you. And I started to realize, man, these guys are actually put in authority by God we pay taxes because God established a system in order to make sure that the world runs like it does. Is a system perfect? Not at all. But my goodness me, this world would be a lot worse off if it wasn't for the authority structures that we have in play. And after all, here's the kick of me. I did do the wrong thing. I had to, like, wow. And it's so freeing and so beautiful and so wonderful when God lovingly makes you aware of the error of our ways and takes us on a journey and helps us to go deeper. And you know what it did for me? I went from paying a bill begrudgingly to having a greater appreciation for our policemen, our firemen, our paramedics, our prime minister. And I started praying differently. I started thinking about those positions differently. 
thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 